Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a bodybuilder. Hey, I'm Rob Fortress Fort. I'm a journalist, editor, former competitive bodybuilder, and powerlifter. And uh, yeah, Lonnie said something cool. I, I'm actually really sick, and I didn't want to miss an episode, so I'm out of here right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, there it is. He's not yeah, a quitter. He, right. he made it on. Um, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a competitive powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. I run Strength Guild and LiftRope.org. Right on. Well, let's. We got some gym talk, so I, I want to discuss your meat a little, right? Okay. So, uh, everybody, Phil and I were discussing this just a little bit before we hit the record button. Um, so maybe just tell everybody how it went. Yeah, um, flew up to Sac, Sacramento, um, competed at Super Training, and brought uh, myself and then two other of my lifters. Um, went okay. I mean, not everything went as planned, but that happens sometimes. Um, went in and up with an easy 500 squat, and uh, despite my hip that I think all the listeners know about, and then the plan was to go 550, 600 after that. I went for the 550 and just went into the hole super slow, worried about my hip, um, didn't feel heavy, and kind of sunk it in the bottom and just kind of stopped there for a minute and missed that one, and uh, the hip didn't hurt, so I took the same again, and... uh, Came back and killed it. So in hindsight, I wish I would have went went ahead and went 600 as easy as that went up. But uh, well, you know, hindsight's always 2020. So. Exactly. So you know, I I just came in and just forgot about it and did what I had to do and it came up fine. Um, then I've been battling some shoulder shoulder issues, so I was just going to take kind of a a half token bench and open with a 335 and then go 365. Did the 335 and it flew right up um, as it should. And then went for the second, which was going to be my last one. And uh, felt like, came down, got it on my chest, nice long pause. And then uh, on the way up, felt and heard four distinctive pops. And then uh, just snap, 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 snap. And the bar just kept sinking. Um, yelled for the spotters to take it. Um, they did a good job. You know, they got it right off me. And uh, instantly I like, hit the floor and got up and walked away in, in pretty bad pain. Uh, gathered myself and just... just Said okay, you know, people are. are you going to finish the meet? I didn't take a third bench, of course. Um, just passed on that. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and, uh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. No, I went over to my wife, and she's like, "So are you going to you going to keep going?" I was like, "Well, hell yeah, I'm going to keep going." And she thought I was talking about bench, and she started yelling at me and oh. this and that. And I was like, "No, no, I'm not benching again, but I'm going to go try and finish the meet." So, uh, um, anyways, you know, I I made the decision if I could still open at my my opener, I wanted to. I'd go ahead and deadlift despite the shoulder. And got warmed up. Things are feeling good. You know, there was some pain in the shoulder and a little bit down from, you know, you're riding that high and then all of a sudden you're injured. Um, yeah. But warm-ups felt good. Warmed up to 655 in the back room. Um, opened with 700 and killed it. So th- that was easy. And uh, then went for the 750. And like I was telling you, it's just kind of a, my mind was on, okay, does my shoulder hurt? Okay, does my shoulder hurt? Uh as I'm pulling, it made it to the, my knees real, real easy. And you see me stop there, and then it's like, oh crap! I need to fire my hips through. 
and uh, start firing my hips through and ground it out and made it literally an inch away from lockout um, before I ran out of air and about soiled my jeans and uh, mm. so stopped stopped there and uh, but all in all I'm happy you know I, yeah, I right. know that what, what, like we said three good lifts right I mean you yeah can, exactly I you know I, I finished the meet um, about a hundred pounds less than the total I wanted but. Yeah, you know, I, I'm still happy. The main thing I wanted was that 750 deadlift, which I know is there if I just, if I kind of kept riding that high and, and been able to ride in with no injury, yeah. and no pain, and uh, well, kudos to you for being able to hold it together to at least pull the, you know, the seven. Yeah, you know? yeah, and so I mean that that went well, and being able to open with seven again is a good thing. Um, I need to get back up where I was um, before I took my break, which was opening at 725, and then go up from there. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, so, okay, so you're opening at 7 now. You open yeah. at 7? Is that what you said, or no? Yeah, I opened at 7. Yeah, yeah. And my last meet, when I just missed 804, I opened at 725, and it felt about as easy as this 7. So I'm not far off track. Um, my goal, I think, my goal is I want to be able to triple 700 in the gym. Um, oh, my and God. I think <laughs> if I do that, I'm pretty sure I got 8 in me. Oh, um, man. So That's insanity. And... Got back here and took, you know, 48 hours off and started looking for a meet. And uh, so I'm looking at a meet probably October 6th. It's a, it's about a month, month and a half earlier than I hoped, but it's semi-local, and I can bring a lot of my lifters from here to it without having to travel um, mm-hmm. more than, like, three hours. So I'm going to try and gear up and get as ready for that as I can and go for uh, put up some big numbers in that and see what the shoulder's like if I have to take a – if I have to take a token bench, then fine. Um, I still want to do full meat because the record I'm going after is a is the full meat deadlift. The the deadlift only record is actually lower. Um, so, mm-hmm. on the grand scheme of things, people look at full meat as a it, it's the pinnacle of powerlifting. Yeah. You know, you start going push pull or bench only or and stuff like that, and it's like, ah, eh, yeah, you're doing it still, but kind of half assed. Yeah. So, um, I still want to do a full meat and. You know, all things considered, if I can go in and hit like a 650, 800 without a bench, I can still total 1450. So. Just with uh, the two. Yeah. See, that's crazy. That's what we were talking about before we hit the record button, everybody, is, you know, Phil could actually pull, he, well, not pull, he could actually total a 1400 plus without benching. Yeah. (laughs) Benching the bar once and just walking away. Exactly. You know, yeah, with the, with the bar. Let's say I do the bar in two and a half, so I can get a fifteen hundred total. Let me ask you this though, bro: Can you, can you do that? I mean, can uh. you, will you <laughs> emotionally be able to do that? Because you talk about taking a token bench, but no. you know, um, it's all going to depend on my training mm-hmm. um, and how it's going. See what the shoulder does. I, from what I'm feeling right now, I'm going to have to go get an MRI and see exactly what's wrong in there. Yeah. I mean, I literally have about. When my arm's at my side, I have about two inches range of motion before pain kicks. Mm. Um, I can stick it out in front of me by about two, three inches. Right. Uh, so uh, we'll see. And it's been kind of an ongoing problem. That shoulder's been it's been tweaked for a long while. Um, I'll tell you what. I, I know a lot of our powerlifter listeners are gonna, you know, throw throw rotten tomatoes at me for this, but I think the barbell bench press is a pretty damaging kind of movement. To be oh, honest, at least in, in some people. Yeah. You know, because what I can do with dumbbells yeah. does not reflect my pathetic barbell bench press. You know, um, I don't know. It's not like you can do a meet with dumbbells. I get that. I'm not saying that, you know, and I know there's it's a powerful uh, upper body, you know, compound yeah. movement. And it's 
it's a good representation of all, you know all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it just seems so um, damaging. I don't know to no, the shoulders. No, I think if you look, I think if you look, there's probably more injuries in that than there are the other two lifts by far. Um, yeah, and if you think about it too, the other two lifts are more involved. Yeah, I mean. Now again, I know some people might like not like to hear that, but you know what I mean. As far as balance and you know managing weight, dangling yeah. off the floor and all that kind of stuff, as opposed yeah. to being you know laying down and having your shoulders locked and and all yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah, no, I mean the biggest thing I took away from this meet, I mean like I said, I walked away really happy because I mean despite my hip, I mean it it needs replaced. Um, from what the doctors have told me, you know it's it's not like it's hurt a little bit. I need a replacement. But um, yeah, so I was totally stoked to, to hit 550 easy, and I, you know, I think today I have a six in me. So hopefully, won't my, it be funny if you become a <laughs> you become a squat specialist? Yeah, I know, I know. I actually <laughs> came into this meet more more confident of my squat for the first time ever than yeah. than my deadlift. Well, and, good. Uh, you know, find a PR like you always say. Yeah. So and went in there and got that. So we'll see. You know, I'll gear up for something big in in October, and hopefully bring a. Looks like I'm going to bring a lot of people up there. Um, well, so, let me let me before I move on to some uh, changing gears big time here. Are you heading east for the meet? Are you going to come my way or? Well, I suppose it's east. It's barely east, uh, Branson, Missouri. Oh, Missouri. Yeah. Okay. So not far east. Because I'll tell you what, I would I would really like to if I can get my you know eventually eat myself up to two twenty five. I haven't let go of that. You know, I've just been slowing it down despite you and Rob ripping on me. Uh, you know, I'm a nice steady two fifteen now. Strength's coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I get to 225, I mean, I'm not going to be wowing anybody in the caliber meet that you're in, probably. But yeah. this is a bucket list thing for me. You know what I mean? I really yeah. would like to simply do it and do it right. No, and there were some other meets out your way. There were some in Ohio I was looking at. Oh yeah, there's there's definitely some meets here. I just want to time it in yeah, such a way, you know, because for me, something in August or September is just out because with with. Yeah. You know, university fall semester starting and everything, things are just crazy for teachers, obviously. Yeah. So, and when you said October, it made my ears perk up because I'm like, oh, that's mid semester, things are humming along, you know. So, anyway. You get the Ohio State Championship in uh, January. Yeah, I'll tell you, Ohio is one hardcore state when it comes yeah. to stuff like bodybuilding, powerlifting, football, wrestling, that very kind of strength oriented, blue collar yeah. almost, you know, muscle sport kind of. For sure, and I see that more, I think, in the Midwest in general. Like, when I was in Phoenix, it was definitely more of a uh, track and field endurance type thing, and I think it's a lot to do with the weather. Yeah, it's like you said, everybody, want, so, they, they're worrying about their abs. Yeah, and, you know, here in the Midwest, it's freaking cold half the year. So <laughs> You can only see your abs you know. three months out of the year anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but, yeah. no, yeah, all in all, it was great meat. I, I can thank, you know, Super Training and... Kara up there who, who ran the meet with, with Mark Bell at his place. And it, it was a good time. We had a good time. Real good. So. Cool stuff. Okay, uh, let's see. Switching gears here. I just wanted to share real quick before we get on to our topic of the day. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Um, I haven't really mentioned it before, so I thought I would. I'm, I'm doing a research project at the university right now uh, people might be interested in. We're looking at energy drinks. Uh, and if you look at the uh, do a lit review and you look at that, most of the effects seem to be from the caffeine. But I think anybody who's drank a Monster or Red Bull, they feel something a little more than just a caffeine tablet going on. You know. So anyway, I was very interested in this because if you look at the early caffeine work, there's good data that reaction time 
uh, improves. You know, it's, it's pretty well, you know, agreed upon. But, you know, flexing a little forearm flexor muscle to hit a space bar in a few milliseconds, you know, that's not very interesting, frankly, you know, as far as yeah. external validity to real life. And so we're having people do um, bench and squat, and we're looking at an energy drink, and we're measuring a whole lot of things with a ballistic measurement system, uh, like um, not just you know the amount of weight they can lift we're actually only using 30% of their one rep max in the in the bench and uh, roughly 0% of their one rep max in the squat cuz that's where you get peak power development apparently when you look at the literature anyway uh so we're looking at bar velocity rate of force development you know how explosive the movement basically begins um power and uh, i just crunched a lot of the statistics today and very interesting stuff i'm just very um excited by this i mean like it's double blind so i don't know which condition is which but i'll just tell you one condition is clearly different from the other uh we're getting statistically significant or near significant effects for velocity rate of force development power um probably displacement of the bar because you're basically throwing it up the bars on a smith machine you know yeah. it's almost like one of those if, if listeners i know phil understands but like a if you think like a strength event at a carnival or something you know how far you can make the little bell go up so I'm very interested in this kind of thing. Now, I always remind my students and myself, science doesn't care what we want. You know, so you just got to observe it and record it. If things go to hell in a handbasket with the second half of, you know, this, the subjects in this study, then so be it. But at this point, I think it's very interesting because what panned out with those simple reaction time tests actually seems like some of these energy drinks may you know, it may pan out where you, I mean, faster bar velocity, you know, more power, more rate of force development. That's very interesting stuff, I think, whether you're a power lifter or an athlete in general, you know, because, yeah. I mean, you know, what matters in sport is not necessarily how much you, you bench, per se, but how quickly you can develop, you know, force. Yeah. You know? So, um, uh, really interesting stuff, so I'll keep people posted on that. Yeah. Pretty cool. Okay, um, well, I'll tell you. Let's go ahead and take an early break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the topic of the day, which is you know, basically uh, proprietary resistance training systems or, or the rebranding of what I consider longstanding exercise you know, regimes. Uh, you know, things like, um, well, CrossFit came up the other day. So we're going to talk about CrossFit and a couple of other of these proprietary resistance type protocols and how they um, translate or don't translate to traditional muscle sports. So we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. And on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow... Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. 
This is Jim, owner of the longest locally owned gym in Winona, the Boardwalk, which I'm proud to say now has the most variety of cardiovascular machines. Our latest addition, four new lifetime ellipticals, easy on the joints, low impact on the knees, while getting a full body workout at our same unbelievable low prices. Only at the Boardwalk, with an alive sound system, we're not just a gym, we're an experience. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, listeners, we're back. It's uh, Lonnie and Phil. Fortress is sick. He chimed in at the beginning. He did his best, uh, you know, not being a quitter. Uh, but he's not going to be joining us for the topic of the day. So we're going to talk about these proprietary resistance exercise protocols um, like CrossFit. There are some others. Uh, and how they translate to bodybuilding, powerlifting, and other strength sports. And the first thing I want to do here is I'm going to read you parts of a review from WebMD. For people who aren't familiar, WebMD is a decent source of medical information. Uh, I think the biggest risk with it would be that if people go use some of their symptom checkers and stuff, you know, if you're not careful, you convince yourself you've got some kind of horrible cancer when, when that's not what it is at all. So be careful with those sorts of things. But here's a review. I thought it was interesting because this guy is, um, it's, it was written by Michael Esco, who is a, a PhD and a CSCS. So he's a strength coach as well. And they asked him to review CrossFit. So I'm going to go over a little bit of this. I'm going to try not to interject, and we'll see what Phil has to say, and then I'll add my two cents. So first of all, uh, first in the beginning here, it says, what is CrossFit? CrossFit combines strength training, explosive plyometrics, speed training, Olympic lifts, power style lifts, kettlebells, body weight, gymnastics, and endurance exercises. Uh he goes on to say, uh, CrossFit targets what, targets what it calls the major components of physical fitness. And this is what they call the major components. And I have some issues with these, but I'm going to try to zip it right now. Um, cardiorespiratory fitness, stamina, I'm not sure how that's different, muscular strength and endurance, flexibility, power, speed, agility, balance, coordination, and accuracy. So they call those the components of, of physical fitness, um, again, in their brand. And then it goes on to say, training the CrossFit way requires you to work out three to five days per week. Well, again, I would argue that's very traditional. I don't think that's the CrossFit way, um, but again, with the rebranding. And then uh, it involves exercises uh, that involve the whole body, including pushing, pulling, running, rowing, and squatting. Well, again, I'm trying to bite my tongue, but... I see rowing and squatting as fairly analogous to pulling and pushing, but okay. I understand the difference, what they're talking about, I think. And then it says there are hundreds of CrossFit exercises. CrossFit exercises such as power cleans and the snatch. Well, I don't have to get Phil going on that one probably. You know, I don't see how that's a cross, CrossFit brand. Um, <laughs> I think if you watch the Olympic Games over the past decades, you, you might beg to differ there. Um, and then interesting, I know down toward the bottom, 
It talks about the, uh, you know, workout of the day thing that they have on their website and whatnot and how some of these different circuits, like the Barbara, it's called five circuits of 20 chins, 30 push-ups, 40 sit-ups, 50 body weights, only squats. So, you know, you're talking about high volume here. Uh, that's between 100 and 250 reps. Um, so I don't know. Any, any thoughts on that, Phil, before I chime in on anything? Well, I think, you know, above all, without saying anything negative, I think CrossFit is nothing new. It's simply a rebranding of uh, an amalgamation of many different things. It all is. They found a neat way to throw a bunch of crap together and um, hit the. What they did is they they found a way to put it together to hit the mindset that most people think what exercise is, and that is punishment and puking. Um, <laughs> okay, people yeah. want to go in. People want to go in, and they want to put in their ten to fifteen minutes, three to five times a week. And drag themselves out of the gym, and then they think they've done something, whether they progress or not. Um, they don't care. You know, the average person doesn't look at progression; they look at how it feels. Um, and and they found a great way to do that. You know, they for a while there before they got in trouble, they were championing puking. Their, their little their little uh, mascot was Pukey the Clown. Oh, I didn't um, know. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they had to get get rid of him. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I can see some people coming down on them for that. <sighs> yeah, I mean that's 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 the way I see it. I mean, then that's. Like I said, trying to without saying anything negative, I think it's just a very smart rebranding and building of a cult, right? That uh, where people feel I they do belong. think there's genius involved with this, and I think the genius is in the marketing. It's not in the exercise physiology. No, I mean, yeah, you know, I've seen these guys actually present at otherwise academic conferences, and you know, they're it's more like a motivational. Um, you know, speaker kind of scenario. I mean, they do talk about the, the general nature. It's almost like, like you were saying, it's what most people just think about, uh, with fitness and not just the punishment aspect, which, you know, is debatable whether that's good or not, but the, um, generalness. It's like yeah. vagary is our specialty. Yes. And I think that's amazing that they can actually make that sound attractive because there's nothing attractive to me about generalist vagary. Um, but you know, they're, they're able to do that. I think some of the issues I have with it is, um, you know, they're, first of all, they're making their own categories of physical fitness. I mean, cardiorespiratory fitness and stamina, I don't, you know, I'm sure when you go measure these things in the lab, you'd be using the same kinds of devices. These are essentially the same thing. I know they might argue that it's different because they have muscular strength and endurance as a separate category. So if we think about the standard, nationwide definition of physical fitness, almost depending on whatever textbook you look at. It's muscular strength, a separate category for muscular endurance, a separate category for cardiorespiratory endurance, and then flexibility and body comp. Those are the five things that comprise physical fitness. And some of these other things, I would consider them very uh, sport-specific. Like when it comes to Agility, balance, coordination, and accuracy. Um, again, I would argue that you can develop those in a general way, but it would become much more debatable whether those translate into specific events. You know, so if you become very accurate in some generalist way, is that going to make you a better three-point shooter in basketball? I don't know. I think I'd rather practice three-pointers in basketball. You know. Um, no, I agree I, on that. You know, they they kind of made their own definitions up as far as the. Uh definition of fitness and they they did the same thing with the exercises they use you know sure they take some traditional exercises like say the clean and the jerk 
But, um, and I, I don't know, personally I feel it's on purpose that they, they changed it to where they don't have, because they claim they have the best athletes in the world, but you never see them do the same thing as those athletes. They might do clean and jerk, but it's 40 of them for time. It's not doing one really good, one really heavy. So it's uncomparable to an Olympic athlete. Well, I think maybe um, that's why, I, I mean, I tend to be biased because it, you and I both, and Fortress as well, we're specialists. I take great pride in the fact that I am very good at things like developing muscle tissue or helping with yeah. leanness to get ready for an event or something like that, you know, tissue-related. But there's, you know, it's hard for me to uh, uh, articulate, but if you're a specialist at something, you can be really, really good at something and say, this is me, you know. Yeah. And to say that I am awesome at vagary um, yeah. is sort of strange. And I'll tell you why, a couple of things. One is... General physical preparedness, that's a standard part of any type of strength conditioning. I mean, that's tend, that tends to be what you do before you start some kind of, you know, macro cycle or meso cycle. You know, you just go get yourself in general shape, you know, because you don't want to start extreme, like, you know, nobody's going to try to deadlift 750 pounds like you just, you know, attempted in the meet yeah. with no physical fitness depth or base of any kind. So this is not, this concept of GPP is not new, you know, and it's certainly not CrossFit. You know, there's lots of ways to develop general fitness before you begin a a new macro or meso cycle. Um, And and I I agree with very much with what you said as well, is making up their own categories. One of the reasons that, you know, that that's difficult for me, I think, is because um, that reminds me of, the hundreds of sort of bogus exercise and nutrition certificates out there. It's a guru tactic. Mm-hmm. You know, when we, I'm going to develop this category and call it my own, yeah. um, or, or define this little new f- thing and present it as a fact. Not that it's my opinion or it's that my, it's my outlook, but this is somehow a truth. And not, not only is it a truth, it's a trainable, educationable fact that I'm going to teach people and get money for it and certify them. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. You know what I mean? I mean, there's lots of legitimate licensures and a couple of good, you know, certifications when it comes to these sorts of things. And this stuff, by and large, has already been carefully thought out by some of the best minds in history. And to me, it just feels a little bit arrogant and presumptuous to say, this is how it really is. You know, this is where everybody else is wrong and we're right. Um, and you know that's where it, it, it's um, I don't know that's where I think there's there's some issues with that because you know you're talking to people who are they might be completely uneducated and they're looking at this you know when you get to somebody first they tend to believe what they hear first yeah. and then it's hard to talk them out of it so I'm just here to say listen a lot of you know whether it's the components of physical fitness or the general physical preparedness and all these sorts of things uh, they are well documented. Over, over over the decades. And not just that, but the general high-volume nature of this, it looks to me an awful lot like what I would just call reverse periodization. Yeah. You know, it's fairly low intensity. How can I build capacity? And although that's cool, it's not just CrossFit per se. No. You know, I mean, the principles that they operate upon, they're not false, but they're also not really new, at least to somebody who, who's in the know. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? No, I, I think you're correctly uh, correct on that. I mean, they took. I mean, the Russians have been doing this for years. 
they, they bring in the new pool of athletes, the young ones, and their first thing is several years getting good at everything, getting okay at everything, getting this background, this foundation of, of various movement skills um, before they then go on and uh, specialize. You know, because, I mean, there's, there's documented cases and, and scientific study where um, specialization too early, you end up having overuse injuries, and you never develop the full motor patterns and stuff that can actually help you in that. Um, the, the bad thing is, is the Russians took time and did it. You know, if they were teaching their people clean and jerks, they taught them how to do it right. They didn't spend one weekend and $1,000 to teach them 78 different workouts, um, <laughs> 78 different complex movements. Right over yeah. a weekend course that cost you a thousand dollars, and then you get get your certification, you know. Um, and that's really my biggest problem with it is they like that that paper said or that review said, you know, CrossFit exercises like the clean and jerk or the snatch. And you know, I would argue what they do in their competitions should not be called a clean and jerk and a snatch because they look nothing the same as what. Yeah. An Olympic clean and jerk snatch. You know is. what, Phil? I, I tend to think of like the kip type chin ups and things like that too. Yeah. You know, that in no way to me is a bodybuilding chin. Now, maybe no. it's not supposed to be. That's fine. But like you said, yeah. then maybe if they're going to develop their own fitness categories, then they should develop their own names for the lifts. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, their snatch is more like it should be called bar from ground to overhead because you can, <laughs> it, that's all it is. It's get it from ground to overhead in any fashion you want. You can press it out and you can do this and that. Um, right. There was there was recently a, a YouTube video put up of they brought in a 17 year old uh, Olympic lifter, so he's training purely for Olympic lifting, and they brought in like a 27 year old Marine who does CrossFit. Um, the Marine outweighed the kid by 100 pounds, and you know he's in great shape and he's in his mid 20s. Um, you know, arguably right there, it's you know the 100 pounds and just this guy's older and stronger is an apple to oranges comparison. Mm -hmm. But then they had them go do one of their workouts, which is, it was a snatch workout. And it was like, I don't remember, it was 50 reps for time or something like that at a prescribed weight. And the Marine knocked his out. And 10 minutes later, the Olympic lifter finished his. Mm -hmm. But the difference was um, the Marines weren't snatches. He was taking the bar from ground to overhead. After the first five, they were pressed out. Whereas the Olympic lifters, every single rep looked exactly the same. Right. It, it was perfection. You know, right. it was 50 snatches of perfection. It's a type like, of skill the other guy has not yes. demonstrated. And it was like, okay, how did this guy win? Then You showed me nothing. You know, it's okay, if we're counting press outs, then fine. But it was two totally different exercises. Right. And not just that, but like you said, the, the event is designed to highlight the CrossFit person. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to, let's put them in an Olympic meet yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. You know, you know find somebody the same body weight, roughly the same age. Right, right. Put them in With the, the right experimental yeah. controls. Right. Exactly. Well, and now again, let me. I'm going to back up just for a minute because I've been a bit critical. So mm -hmm. I, I think the good thing though is CrossFit. They've created a sport out of nothing. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's new. It's not new. It's it's a new sport. Um, mm -hmm. Again, with these sort of you know uh, self-created kinds of things, but. They've certainly got people very motivated. It's like Chick was saying on, on uh, the show a couple of weeks ago. You know, they're getting people off their ass. You know, they're getting yeah. people motivated. And, I mean, some of these people are super highly fit. When I saw the Reebok-sponsored, yeah. you know, games on TV a couple mm -hmm. of weeks ago, whoa. I mean, some of these people were crazy 
uh, fit, yeah. you know. And again, it, when you look at across all the aspects of physical fitness, and we discussed this uh, months and months ago, but the the specialists in any event are not fit across the board. A power lifter has a generally has a pretty poor VO2 max compared mm-hmm. to a marathoner. A yeah. marathoner has very poor muscular strength compared to the power lifter, you know. So these specializations eventually, you know, you have to give up some things to get the other. You can't don't think that you can just become a generalist up to such a high level that you are a champion power lifter and marathon runner. It's not true. You can't do that. You only have so many physical resources. You know what I'm saying? So, for example, Phil, if you try to run a marathon or even me, you know, running 220 to 280 pounds over that many miles is stupid. It's dead weight. So you don't want that. So there's a necessary specialization there. And I think there's fun to be had in that. And again, that's where I'm admitting that's my bias. I like being a specialist. You know? No, yeah, I totally agree. And I think I, I don't want to say that everything's bad about CrossFit either because I know a lot of great people in CrossFit. I've helped train some CrossFit athletes for their games. I don't consider something I want to do. Um, I tell people I kind of did CrossFit before CrossFit was cool. I was doing cross training stuff. You know, I'd do some strongman stuff. I'd wake up and I'd run, and then I'd go do this. You know, at different days I was doing different stuff. But at one point, then I had to sit down. My problem is, is when I do something, I want to be very good at it. So I was battling to be a great runner. I wanted to be as strong as Derek Poundstone at the same time. Yeah. And you know, at, at things started to go. You know, no, I started to get injuries and right. this and that. And I had to, I had to sit back and say, okay, what do you really enjoy? Um, because I, I knew, I finally realized that if I want to be great at something, I have to pick one. Um, but what, what CrossFit has done, it, it's like you said, it's got people moving. And, you know, it's probably the single greatest thing that happened to USA weightlifting maybe ever. Um, there are more people at least being exposed to Olympic weightlifting, even if it's taught wrong. Oh, and, that's um, a good, good topic. Right? It's, it's a gateway drug, isn't it? Yes. It's to Olympic lifting in a way. Yeah, or powerlifting because they're learning to squat and, and bench and deadlift. Um, so I see it as a great thing in that aspect. Where I don't see it great is I've seen in a lot of clubs where it's like, then when the person wants to specialize, um, you're, you're kind of poo-pooed for it. Um, we're not into specialization. We're supposed to be kind of good at everything. You know, you're just going to become a fat powerlifter, or you're going to become a, a fat lazy Olympic lifter where you can only do one rep. Well, yeah, but my one rep is four times as heavy as yours. <laughs> you know, type right. of thing. Um, right. That's where I don't agree. Is the whole. Is, is that aspect of it. I think it's a great thing. I have a lot of my clients in here now. My everyday average clients are doing a very strength-biased, but, yes, it is general programming. Um, and then after a while, I've seen it time and time again, about 75% of my clients, then after four months, six months, they say, okay, I've done it all. I really like this. And then it's my job as a coach to feed them into that aspect. Right. Well, okay. and I I, th- I think that's why actually, you know, the age-old strength coaching idea of doing some GPP before you, you know, start a specific mesocycle, mm-hmm. that, you know, it, that's good. It gets somebody in shape. It lets them decide what they're best at. You know yeah. what I mean? It's motivating in some way because you're, you have something that you can look forward to becoming a specialist in your favorite part, you know. Uh, again, not everybody's going to be motivated by being a specialist, I guess, as well. Yeah. And again, yeah. these guys are crazy fit across the board. Oh, yeah. And you can't, literally, by the perfect definition of, of textbook physical fitness, these guys are more fit than a powerlifter or a marathon runner. Yeah. You know, now you might argue maybe they're not more fit than a wrestler. I don't know. Or, you I know, don't know. Well, 
Uh, but again, because they're so broad, they're even doing thing that, things that wrestlers aren't. I'm just I'm thinking wrestling fit. would be a good example of muscular strength, muscular yeah. endurance, cardiovascular endurance, flexibility. You know, they've got a lot of those things going. Or a martial or an artist. MMA fighter. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, that, that brings you back to the point, though. I mean, fit for what? You know, I am a very fit power lifter if you put fitness under a context. Yeah. You know, right. fitness needs a context. You know, well, it's not like, it's not like power, modern power lifters are ignoring conditioning, for example. No. You know? I mean, so. the, what, the definition of fitness is what? It's, uh, you know, prepared for the job at hand, you know, that you need to do today. Mm-hmm. My job isn't to go run uh, a 5K and then do 600 snatches right. and, and 500 burpees. Like, My job is to go in there and pick up one thing. But, yeah, I do agree. Generally fit, they are. Yeah. Um, they are generally very fit people on hands down. Well, I think the question comes into is the, you know, how transferable is is some of this general fitness? Is it a great base? Yeah, and maybe yeah. make maybe you yeah. It's I think it is unique in that it's making the the GPP the main event. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of neat. Um, but like I said, whether or not things actually translate, like for example, earlier I was talking about the caffeine study that I'm looking at with the resistance training. You know, there's a sort of a back and forth debate in academic circles as to whether maximum strength, you know, let's say benching 405 very slowly once, you know, will that translate into better rate of force development or more power? Maybe not automatically. You know what I mean? Maybe you need mm-hmm. speed work and, and, you know, so, Again, with how well one thing translates to another, you know, that's sort of debatable, and I would argue that's fairly sports specific. Yeah. At some point, you've got to become, you've got to actually do what you're interested in. You yeah. Know? I mean, oh, yeah. you've got to do the actual event, just following the whole specificity principle. Yeah. No, and I, I think, I, I, I have friends and, and colleagues that argue that CrossFit isn't a sport. I think it is. I think they've successfully created their own sport now. Um, it's a it's very got general its sport. Rules. If you've got yeah, a it's got rules, its own, you know, yeah, and it's physical. Yeah, and know? it's on TV, and you know, I mean, not that that means it's a sport, but, but there's at, a lot right, of people at a really high level. Yeah, so um, you know, I, I agree it is a sport. Um, I don't agree it's one that I agree with totally, but you know, my that's just because I'm a purist, I guess. You know, I don't want to see the sport of Olympic weightlifting. Uh, kind of shunned how it is. I don't want to see their clean and jerks called clean and jerks because they're not. That that bothers me. Um, things like that. But uh, I, I can tell you, you know. Phil. Although I'm not good at Olympic lifts like you are, like for example, my years in kendo. You know, swinging a sword is not like chopping an axe or swinging a baseball yes, bat. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it, this is a very technical thing, and I, I would hate to see someone come and say, I can do it better than you, and they're clumsily swinging a bat or yeah. an axe and saying, see, I can do it too. I would just be yeah. cringing. Exactly. You know, you know so. it, it's that type of thing. But, I mean, I don't know. The other, I think a lot of them, it, it's, one of the, the other problem I have with it, I, I know a lot of PTs and a lot of chiropractors, and they tell me that the only, the best thing that happened in their practice is CrossFit. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's why they are open. Right. Um, Meaning good start, for them, not the client. Right. Yes. Yes. You just, you start mixing these things together. And it happened to me. You know, you start trying to bring all these things to its highest level. Something's going to give eventually. And I've seen that a lot of injuries, you know, a lot of injuries when you're, when you're sitting there and you have to do, you know, very technical moves in a very, very fatigued state. You're asking for something bad to happen. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
Um, no, it's true by definition, right? So, all right. So that's a good that's a good uh, segue because I want to talk about uh, one or two other. Um, you know, rebrandings of these things, especially because they're fatigue oriented. Like you said, yeah. they're they're almost yeah, they self abuse oriented. That's like that's, a defining that's... thread. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and one of these, I don't know if anybody remembers, older listeners will remember, is Cybergenics. And I'm just going to read you a few things from this. This is a Cybergenics review. If before I do, Cybergenics was very cleverly marketed because what it was was a brutal workout program coupled with a whole slew of dietary supplements. So they could make claims about this proprietary package uh, that they could not make for their nutritional supplements alone, you know, the herbs and the amino acids and the pills and the powders and that sort of thing. So very clever because they could make fairly dramatic gain, uh, claims that the FDA would have to swallow and not come after them because exercise does, in fact, do these things. Right. So it blurs the line. Is the exercise or is the supplement doing it? Um, So in that sense, you could call it brilliance. You can call it dodging the law or whatever you want. But um, just a couple of things here. Here, this is um, uh, Cybergenics Workout Review. This is from a website called mm2k.com, but it's not Muscle Media 2000. Uh, It's sort of a (laughs) purposeful, I think, uh, knockoff. But It talks about how the cybergenics manual was quite intense. There were many sets per body part. You'd do drop sets, then negatives, and even negatives to failure to totally destroy any of the muscle's contracting ability. That's kind of what you were saying with fatigue, you know. Yeah. I mean, think about this. Negative failure, not concentric failure. But you can't even lower it anymore. Yeah. You can't even drop, you can't even hold the bar or the dumbbell and drop it slowly anymore. <laughs> so it says, I always had a problem with recovery. Oh, gee. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> uh, I, it took seven days or longer, et cetera, et cetera. We were nonetheless training seven days per week, two hours per day. We trained very, very hard. Um, we did mostly 25 to 30 sets per body part. Now, can you imagine doing like 25 sets, 30 sets of biceps work? Oh, Lord. Uh, these were all done to complete negative failure. It was very high volume and high intensity for eight weeks. Now, most people realize that you generally have to be very careful applying uh, overload as intensity and volume at the same time. I mean, generally things that are very, very intense, by definition, you can't do as as, as much, you know. Yeah. So, for example, intensity is percent of your one rep max. Well, you can't you can't lift ninety percent of your one rep max for ten reps. It's simply not going to happen. So it's usually inverse. And so a lot of these programs just brutalize people with high volume and high intensity. Do people get in shape? Yeah, I'm sure they you know they they got lean and they got muscular. Um, and again, was it the supplements? I highly doubt it. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with one thing with this one is cybergenics is still sold. I had no idea. I thought this was – I remember the booklets and the, and the package of supplements. In fact, I, I used to consult a little bit with one of the companies involved. And that was like a late 80s, 1990s thing. You know, uh, I didn't even know they were still doing this, but apparently they are. Um, and I think at least though, like CrossFit, at least like you said – they're getting barbells in their hands and mm-hmm. dumbbells in their hands because some of the other things um, don't even do that, right? Yeah. The other ones like we were talking about before we hit record today like um, P90X or the Insanity Program or some of these other ones, it's almost strictly calisthenics as I understand yeah. it, yeah. right? Yeah. 
So, no, and I think I think you hit it on the head. Whereas, uh, it, it's the you know complete fatigue factor that that ties all these together, um, and it's people think that's what a workout should be, that you should leave the gym totally wiped out. And I'm not saying I don't like days when I go in there and I just like I really did some work, but every session can't be a competition. You know, every oh, yeah. session can't be killer like that. Uh, you've got to get in there and and just put time in and punch the clock. And I think that's where a lot of these programs go wrong, is they do. If I tried to do what I did last Saturday, every training session, I I wouldn't be walking. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I think about what Hans Selye, you know, the endocrinologist of decades past, about the whole general adaptation syndrome. Yeah. You overwhelm the body. I mean, these guys were training in, in the cybergenics review seven days a week, two hours a day. Or like you said, you know, with when it comes to a meat, you might get some meat magic, but if you try to milk meat magic every day, every workout, yeah. you, you're going to have like massive hormonal and immune breakdown, muscle tissue breakdown. You know what I mean? Holy crap! Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, and that's I think that's the, that's the the most problematic part about it to me is is they do they they market each each workout as as a competition, you know, and you're supposed to go in there and just wreck yourself. Um, so, I mean, that ends up, it's neat for a while, and yeah, people really feed off that, and, uh... Well, I will say this, I think bodybuilding is a little bit more about purposely, like, wrecking yourself a little bit, yeah. maybe, than powerlifting may be, but there's also a huge emphasis on nutrition and recovery. Yes. Uh, you know, and I don't just mean eating to recover, taking supplements, but literally resting, getting tons of sleep... You know what I mean? Uh, controlling yeah. stress, all these different kinds of things. It's a it's a lifestyle, mm -hmm. and there's a big recovery focus. And in some of these uh, protocols, they seem to focus on apply the stimulus, apply the stimulus. Yes. But none of the uh, this idea that protein synthesis kicks up, you know, in the 24 to 36 hours mm -hmm. after you punish yourself. Yeah. So why would you tear it down again when it's in full rebuilding swing? Yes. Yeah, you know. Exactly. Well, and, you know, I guess, you know, you go back to the bodybuilding. It's also, much of it's done in the, at least like an upper-lower format, if not even more body part than that. Oh, sure. Whereas, you know, whereas... Body part splits are four-way splits. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas these are usually total body, and you're wrecking your whole self each session. You know, there's no time for, for recovery. And then, also, you, you top that off, and most of these... Um, exercise modalities are, are targeted at people to get beach ready, super lean and fit and this and that. So a lot of them, they're, they're under eating calories to try and get lean while they're wrecking themselves. Whereas in bodybuilding, most of the time when you're really hitting it hard, you're in the off season and, and you're eating more and you're looking to build mass. And you're not a beach body at that point. <laughs> exactly. Right. Whereas these people, I mean, you're looking to be, um, you're looking to be super lean, super fit. They're, they're generally underfed from the people I've met um, to the point that many of the women are, are so lean that they're, they're, they're losing their monthly cycles and this and that. And uh, Well, what I saw in that Reebok challenge on TV, I mean, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but they were extraordinarily lean. And yeah. I would almost guarantee not natural. I mean, yeah. literally like low single-digit body fat with giant fake breasts. You know, and like I said, their traps look like apples, you know, up under their ears. I'm like, okay, this is a very high-level, you know, sport. Like, I'm going to agree with you. I do think it is a sport, CrossFit. Yeah. Um, 
but this is very um, this is starting to become aesthetic. You know, why yes, else would they is. have the fake boobs? If they were just about yeah. the performance, the fake boobs wouldn't be there. Oh yeah. You know. No, I, I mean the winner. That's one thing you, you hit a good point there about the aesthetics of it. The winner, not this last year, but the winner of the women's division the year before, was a little heavier, and she wasn't the the the, the fitness model looking model. girl and this and that, and she was she was ridiculed. And you didn't hear much about her, even though she won. Well, you know what? And wow. I'm going to make a, a proviso even about that. Now, I have a lot of respect for fitness competitors sometimes, oh, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're muscular, and I have no problem with, with the fake breast. That's fine. <laughs> you know, but, again, if CrossFit is is about the the sport itself, silicon under your chest, I could see how that could help a fitness competitor, perhaps, because it's hard to be very lean and also have big full breasts, I imagine, you know, yeah. not being yeah. a woman, I, mean, I can only, you know, speculate here as a physiologist, but the <laughs> point is, you know, in CrossFit, I don't see how the silicon bags under your chest is going to do anything for you to do those kip-ups or whatever, you know, yeah. or drag something across or yeah. push something across a stadium or something like that. Yeah. So now you might say, oh, that's a personal choice. That's not part of the sport. Well, okay. I yeah. just, yeah. I just found it very interesting that, uh, the similarity with fitness models. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. No, I mean, they're both interesting. And like I said, I mean, there's, I could name a, a lot of things like just the, them also getting people moving and introducing them to sports and stuff like that. I just have so much problem with the other aspects of it. The, um, they've all built a, they were smart in that they in, ingrained this, we're all going to go out and we're going to puke together. And they built a cult around you it. You hit on the key it's, word there, I think, is right, is together. That's yes. actually good because I look at this as almost an old, like, martial arts school model where, you know, you get a group of people training together. Or I think that's something that's not unique, but it's special about what you do is you get groups. You get this team support kind of network. Yeah. And I think, to me, that, that reminds me of, you know, all those years when I was a kid and all the way through my adult years in martial arts schools is that, you know, you train as a group with an instructor and it's it's really to me it's almost a martial arts model but it is better with the social aspect and when you look at some of these things like p90x or insanity or some of these other infomercials that are all over the tv my concern would be that it might highly motivate people for a while but at some point i would think there's got to be a social component to make to make you a life oh, yeah you know and that's what it is and they've done brilliant in that creating the the social aspect and then brilliant marketing I mean, you see a lot of it, um, the little posters, this is your average CrossFitter and the, versus your average whatever, you know, Olympic weightlifter. Which one do you want to look like? Or There's a lot of your your average CrossFit, CrossFitter versus your average marathon runner. What do you want to look like? I'm sorry. They they pick out the hottest, you know, yeah. your model-looking CrossFitter out there, and they use her as the average. Actually, I've been you know what, Phil, to be honest, even, and I, I know he's probably listening, he or she, but... Somebody posted something on our Facebook listeners page as well, and it said, this is a marathoner, and this is a sprinter. Which would you rather look like? Yeah. And I appreciate the, the notion, but yeah. that's what they did in that picture. They took this old guy with, like, balding dude, very yeah. flaccid-looking little mm -hmm. wussy runner, and then this incredibly ripped Winstrol-type-looking, yeah. you know, sprinter. And yeah. I was like, well, I think I could probably pick some healthier-looking runners there. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, I've been to, I've been fortunate enough, I guess, if you want to say that. Uh, I've been in probably 45, 50 CrossFits across the country. That's not the average. 
you know, the average CrossFitter looks like an average everyday person. Oh, that's a good When point. you're talking 150, 200 clients in each one. Yeah. It looks like you're, you know, the, the mom next door over here. It, they, right. That's the average. And that's okay, it's, too. You know, yeah, that's, it's that's totally okay. Good. Yeah. But, I mean, that just goes back to the brilliant marketing. And I think, lar- in large part, I think it's... It's a, it's an okay system to get people moving and this and that. I think they need to be a little more careful. They're, they're starting to, it started off better than it is now. Now they've reached that point of, of shock and awe. Um, because it started out, okay, let's put these workouts together and see how hard they are. And they consistently have to top themselves. What are we going to do next to right. do something even more? Escalation. More? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, where's it going to end? Yeah. And I'll tell you, I think you hit it on the head earlier with, would be the injury risk. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know, I, I'm guessing a lot of people even that are high in CrossFit would say, yeah, there's an injury risk. Oh yeah. You know, because at some point, I remember like an old track coach when I used to pole vault in high school, he used to say, Lowry, don't, uh, don't practice a motor pattern when you're fatigued. Mm-hmm. You know, because of, by, almost by definition, you're not going to fire the right muscles at the right moment. Yep. You know, and like, like what you're saying is, that could lead to injury. I mean, one of the main um, purposes of strength coaches at a lot of universities is not just to boost performance, but to reduce injury risk. Yeah. And this is sort of the opposite in that way. Yeah. You know, it's and, you know definitely. I mean, the number one rule is do no harm. You know, yeah. <laughs> so because you can't be strong if you're injured, and that's not saying. I mean, look at me. I'm the in the pot calling the kettle black. I injured myself last weekend in a meet, but that was in a meet situation. It's that one time, and that stuff happens. You know, there's a, if there's a time to lay it out, it's in the meat. Right. Um, but you know what? You're also doing something so. with proper form. You're not setting yourself up to fail. No. But yeah, by being exactly. fatigued and misfiring motor patterns, you know yeah. what I mean? And then, yeah, tearing something because you, you know, some sister muscle had to handle all the load because exactly. you're firing it wrong. I'm not going to go run a 5K and then climb up and down a rope and then do box jumps and then go for a max deadlift. <laughs> it's just asinine. Right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. Well, uh, you know what? Yeah. So pros and cons. We just thought we would discuss some of this. And are we being critical? Yeah, I guess. But you know, yeah. and again, we're admitting our bias. You know, uh, and I do think there's some good things with with some of these different um, programs. There's always going to be some fad that comes along, and you know, maybe CrossFit's here to stay too. So maybe it's less of a fad than something like Richard Simmons, <laughs> you know, with his dance aerobics in the 80s or yeah, 90s yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. But no, I think it's definitely here to stay. What I would what I would call out to every CrossFit coach out there is, um, because I've seen too many of them do it, if one of your people come to you and say, hey, I really like this Olympic lifting part, let them do it. You know, your, your job as a coach is not to make them what you want them to be. That's good. It's interest. to make your client what they want to be. Yeah. You know, so let them specialize if they need it. Who, who cares? And they can still be part of your clique. I've got marathon runners and firefighters and powerlifters and Olympic lifters, and they all train under one roof, and we're all friends, and we cheer for each other. You know? Right. It doesn't matter if they're not doing the exact thing. Jim and Jill don't have to do the same thing every day with the same load, and they shouldn't. That's right. Well, look at the three of us. You know, we're all very different. You know, yeah. Rob will probably he might he might smack me, but he'll probably never have your deadlift. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm yeah. never going to be as strong as you guys, but still, there's similarities here yeah. that draw people together in the muscle sports. You know, we're all exactly. trying to build muscle mass and strength and, and those sorts of things and put it to use in different ways. You know, uh, so yeah. Yep. Okay. So that was a fun show. I imagine we'll get lots of commentary on this one, I bet. Well, sure. And I'm okay. You know, yeah. uh, that's what I see. And I'm no expert in CrossFit, but I've seen a lot of things come and go over the last 30 years. And, I, you know, like I said, I see a lot of this as rebranding. Uh, 
and you know people are excited. Yeah, it's, and, it's yeah, it's nothing new. I don't think. Yeah. Okay, great show. All right, take care. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein You can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes. Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the -the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, This will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however, obviously I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.